much for coming and welcome. Uh, we want to thank all of you for coming out to a really meaningful event. This is a magazine release party, but it's also a celebration of a heart's journey. Um, the heart journey of Chad. I might cry a little. Okay. Um, I did tell Chad, he just turned 40, and I said, one of the biggest gifts you have given yourself is going on this heart journey. And um, it's been really special to see behind the scenes Chad go through this journey. I've seen his heart um, awaken. I've seen his heart come alive. I've seen him um, engage curiosities, um, um, immersing himself in the deep waters of his soul, and and living wholeheartedly, which is which is really big. Living wholeheartedly, and. Um, through this process, he has created a platform for his heart, and uh, this has been through his voice, through the written, through the spoken, and when he came to me and was throwing out some names, like, you know, what he wanted a brand, which naming something, big deal, right? And when he told me subversive, I said, that that is what it is because that is who you are. You are subversive. Um, digging into, going to the heart, digging deeper. And um, another way to say it is um, getting into something bigger than yourself. And uh, that's what this is all about. And he wants to invite all of you to join him in his journey, to awaken your hearts, uh, to live wholeheartedly, and to join him in that. So without further ado, I will hand it off to the main guy. But before that, I believe Kyle would like to come up. And really <laughs> <laughs> it's time to say something. I have to record. Dang it, Jacob. Okay. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> so today is a happy, sad day for me. Um, and I'll start with the sad, the depressing. If you listen to the art, what is it called? Defense Against the Dark Art? There you go. Um, I'm nervous. Uh, that is where Chad interviewed me about grief. So two years ago today, my brother committed suicide. So that's the sad. Um, that is one of two, one of the two worst days of my life. And my dad is here. I love you. I got a call from my dad. I showed up to his house. My brother was inside the garage and my dad and I just held each other and cried. And um, then my dad had to go give a statement at the police station. And I was left basically by myself in the van outside the house while a bunch of police uh, investigated to make sure it wasn't foul play. Um, that was the most awful day and loneliest day I think I've ever experienced. And a dear friend got in touch with me, Chad, and said that he would like to come sit with me. And so we sat in the van together and um, we just sat. I don't think a lot was said. I don't think there was a lot to say in a moment like that. But I know sitting next to someone who I view as a dear, dear friend, that I felt held and cared for and loved. And I think our relationship grew that day. And I think it's wonderful to stand here today, two years later, 
and know that it's grown even deeper. Like I feel more connected. I feel more inspired and encouraged by you today. I've seen you grow. I think Courtney nailed it. It's a heart journey. And I just want to say thanks for coming to me a little while ago and inviting me onto this wonderful journey of creativity and curiosity. And I think this is just the beginning. It's an honor to do this with you. Thank you. Love you. Thanks, Kyle. Um, when Kyle, uh, I asked Kyle and Jacob and some others if, if they wanted to say anything, um, uh, because this is a team effort, as I'll share a little bit more about in uh, just a moment. And Kyle said that he uh, he thinks he would like to, this is yesterday, he thought he would like to, but um, he told me that he would probably say something about what this day was for him. And I went home last night and I thought more and more and more about it. And I thought, well, I hope, you, I hope he does because um, I think it belongs and I think it fits and I think everything fits. And so I think that the sadness and the grief and the anger and confusion of that day and that moment accompanied with the comfort and the journey that you yourself went on, as, as you have heard, if you've listened to that episode, uh, my uh, 11-year-old listened to it yesterday, and we had some good conversation about it. And uh, so I highly recommend that, um, where Kyle wrote a poetry book about, you know, from that journey and through that. And so um, I thought, absolutely, it all fits. It all belongs. It's all a part of the human experience. Um, grief, pain, loss, confusion, sadness, joy, ecstasy, creativity, um, collaboration, uh, serving, and doing something that you're scared to do and you're going to say yes to, but you know you don't have the resources to do it, so you're going to have to trust something bigger than yourself to engage in those places. And so um, I'm really glad you shared, Kyle, and I'm happy to be a part of this uh, journey with you guys. Thank you so much. This means a lot uh, for you to come out. Um, you know, we, we actually record right here <laughs> in this room. Uh, often they close at five. And so uh, Connor from Upshot has graciously uh, let us just use his room uh, when they're cleaning everything up. And it's, it's nice to see faces and be with people and presence here uh, because often uh, when you're just talking in the microphone and it's nice to have Kyle and Jacob there to look at but you don't know who's listening on the other side you don't know what it's like you don't know what uh, what they're doing during the day you don't know what their faces are like um, how they're responding to what you're saying and so it's really sweet to have you here it means a lot I know some of you well, some of you I don't, but I'm connected to you through friends and really glad you're here and would love to get to know you more. Got to give a shout out to Connor from Upshot. He had to run, but this is kind of his uh, dream and his heartbeat. And uh, he's episode number three, I think, um, on uh, Failure is My Guru. So you, you feel free to check that out. Also, shout out to my wife who is in the back there. It's great to have people around you who believe in you more than you do until you kind of slowly catch up. And um, so I'm really thankful for her and all that she does. She created that dream box, by the way, which is just for you to dream with us about what we can do in the future, and I'll talk about that. But she created that, so take some time and check it out. Also, I'd like to say thanks to Mike, our sommelier. <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs> Ish? You say it. 
Okay, Somali? <laughs> that's a country. That's a, that's a country. <laughs> okay, I think I got close enough. I think I got close enough. <laughs> uh, so shout out to him and uh, glad you're here. Um, first things first. I want to share briefly about this journey, and I put it in a bit of an outline. But first things first, tis the season for giving, so I have some presents for you. Not everybody gets one, but some people get something. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes it better, right? Um, okay, I have uh, a book. I got two books and then a gift card. So I don't assume everyone's a reader. And uh, if you're not a reader, that's totally fine. Don't take the book. Um, I have a book called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. It was recommended to me by one of my profs um, when I was doing my master's. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I think I referenced it um, two episodes ago. But if you're the kind of person who you kind of feel like you're the biggest block to experiencing love to experiencing God's love and you would maybe like to journey a bit further in that this is for you so I know I'm asking you to be a little vulnerable but we're doing it um raise your hand got a gift for you got a present anybody and that definition doesn't have to define you yay here you go thanks Carla I don't know if my mic stretches all right um next gift is a book by Paul Coelho or Paolo Coelho the Alchemist. Um, if you've heard of this and you've been intrigued by it, but you've never had the chance to read it, this is for you. This is for you. There you go. Right there. Would you pass that back? Okay. Now, if you consider yourself a hot chocolate aficionado um, and you just love and almost are addicted to drinking chocolate and you don't mind drinking 750 calories in a matter of just a few moments. Here's a $10 gift card to Upshot. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Who wants it? $10 gift card to Upshot. My kids both have their hands up. Kids, you're the best, but I'm going to give this to somebody else. I'm going to give this to you guys, all right? You don't have to drink hot chocolate. You can get anything you want. <laughs> um, no, you cannot give it to my kids. <laughs> Both of them were like, <laughs> Dad, we went to your party and you didn't give us anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to share briefly. And uh, you know what's funny is I, I see these people, I was like, oh, let's do a Q&A. But I, I didn't prepare you for that. <laughs> but I'm open to having conversation. Maybe it's more that I didn't prepare myself for that. <laughs> so that's just, uh, but I would love to have conversation as we go along. I will be brief, I promise, because what I'd like to do is give some time towards the end um, to release the mag and um, you can take some. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about this journey, but I put it in a conversation and, um, oh, let me give a shout out to you. There's two people who wanted to, to be here tonight who are really, really faithful supporters, faithful listeners, and they weren't able to make it and they know who they are and they'll listen to this content. So shout out to those guys and, um, appreciate them. Um, title of the night, prolegomena. Some of you are like, oh, that's how you say it. <laughs> Some of you are like, what, what the, is prolegomena? Um, that is, it's from two Greek words put together. Pro, meaning first or before, and legain, which is to speak or words or to talk. And so it's 
can be quite literally prologue or first words or words beforehand. So the title is Prologomena, but the subtitle is this. How the truth about the first words spoken over your story can awaken the dream of a self long forgotten. Since I don't have any projector with notes, let me read it again. How the truth about the first words spoken over your story can awaken the dream of a self long forgotten. And my outline is quite simple. You, not you, them. And as Courtney was saying, one of the things that has been um, clear to me is that probably more than a decade ago, I felt like I was invited on an interior journey. And I thought, this is something I have to do. I have to figure out what's going on inside of me. What are my motives? What are my drivers? What are my fears, my anxieties? Um, Seems like there's shame there. What is that about? And so I sensed, I, I wouldn't say it like this at the time, honestly, but I would say it now. There was, a, there was a divine invitation to go on that, and it was hard, and it's been hard, and it's still hard, um, as any of you know who've journeyed in, in that way. Um, but I think that that's what, as I, I was telling Patty Roy this earlier, just like, hey, like, how long? Like, what's been going on? Like, I'm interested to hear about your new endeavor. And I said, I think I would put it like this. What's visible um, has come about in the last few months, but the invisible work that I've had to be up to to get to this place to make it visible has been probably more like 12 to 15 years of just going inside, figuring out who I am, how I'm wired, how am I getting in my own way, and then just taking steps, steps of faith, like steps of vulnerability. Um, And that's what I think a dream is. That's what I think a good dream is, is that it has to be you. It has to be something that maybe was buried deep inside of you, or maybe you've buried it for survival reasons, for strategy reasons, to cope, to get, to get along. And then you start to realize, yeah, but I'm tired of living someone else's story. I'm tired of living. um, I'm tired of taking the cue cards of someone else's script. And so, yeah, I turned 40 this year and, um, just in the last few months, and I shared this with, with Mike the other day, it really is great to have people around you who, who do believe in you more than yourself. And I have quite a few of those, uh, but I shared this with Mike. I said, you know, I haven't, I don't know how to say this. It's not that poetic. I haven't even actually really wanted to be alive until this year. I haven't even felt like, oh, I, I like living. There's something to this thing that I wake up with anticipation and hope and what's going to happen today and what might surprise me about people or my experience. And I think for so long, life felt for me just like a weight and a mountain on my chest. And I know that's not a great way to describe it, but that's what it felt like for me. And I think I would credit it to grace. I would credit it, um, all of it to grace and, and yet, somehow, responding to this invitation to figure out, as long as I'm living someone else's story, why would I feel like living? As long as I'm living what I think someone else wants for me or what I think I'm supposed to do to please somebody else, whoever it is, why would I feel like living? And so, 
this creation of the, the podcast and magazine, there's other things we're trying to cook up, has been a huge part of, hey, take the steps, take the risk. Like the dream has to be you. It has to be yours. And I believe, I firmly believe that creativity is generativity. And I don't care if you think you're not creative at all, everyone's creative. Everyone is called to create. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone is going to create a team culture. They're going to create a business. They're going to create a family. Um, everyone is creative. And I believe the more we tap into that, we're going to find that. And in our own unique bent, the more we're going to find that we're living our story. I think sometimes it's like this. Like when I first started, I thought that when... I was trying to uncover the dream that I had something to give, a talent, um, a skill. You know, maybe we think of, oh, I'm supposed to offer, I'm supposed to offer somebody something. I'm a musician. I'm a poet. I'm a leader. I'm a director. I'm a teacher. Whatever that is. And I think it starts there. But it's like someone walking to you from the horizon. The more and more and more you get closer to it and the more work you do and you think, oh, I'm actually supposed to give something to someone to serve them, to serve something bigger than me. The more and more you do that, the more and more I think what gets revealed is that you were never meant to offer a thing. And the more work you do, you come face to face with yourself and you think, oh, I'm, I'm the gift. I'm the gift. My presence is the gift. That's what I'm supposed to be giving. But in order to do that, I think that we have to challenge. In order to do that, we have to trust something deep within ourselves. And in order to trust something deep within ourselves, I think we have to challenge a long-held assumption that maybe you were taught growing up and maybe you weren't taught growing up. But it goes something like this. Don't trust yourself because the deepest, truest part of your heart is first and foremost bad. So don't trust it, question it, put it away, hide it, cover it up. And I wanna challenge that assumption, especially in religious circles, because as many of you know me, if you've been around me for you know two talks, I love Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. And what I think if we have a careful understanding of Genesis one, two, and three from the Bible, what I think they have to offer us is this, is sure, I can make a mess of things. I can make a mess of things and I probably am always am up to something about making a mess of things and I'm my own worst enemy. So I have to first and foremost call bullshit on myself like relentlessly relentlessly, but the first word spoken over humanity was not bad. It was actually good. Original sin comes on the heels of original blessing. And first and foremost, there's this Hebrew word that just gets repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in Genesis chapter one and two, and it's tov, and it's good, and it's good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and God created Adam and Eve, and there's humanity there, and he put them on this earth, and the earth was good, and everything in it was good, and he put people there, and he said the first words that the divine speaks over people is not bad, it's good. 
So as I'm calling BS on myself relentlessly, can I also maybe first simultaneously hold the truth that what is going on deep down, I might just need to pay attention to that and say, no, I think what I have to offer people is good first. Can I do that? And so that's a little bit of where this dream came from. And then when I started to do it, so it's, it's, it's got to be you, whatever that is for you. It's got to be me. It's got to be you. Then when I started to do it, I realized, oh, it can't be me. <laughs> it's not you. It's you. And then it's not you. And what do I mean by that? Well, I remember I met with Kyle over here at, what's the, what's the place called, Kyle? Yeah, Rack House. Thank you. We met over at the Rack House because, dear Lord, they have buy one, get one free Manhattans every day till like four. And uh, I was like, that's a pretty good deal. Buy one, get one free Manhattans. And after the first meeting, I realized I should probably buy the one and give Kyle the other one <laughs> because I'm going to have to sit here for quite a while before I, you know, get back in the car. We met over at the Rack House and um, I, I told him this dream. This was earlier, probably late summer. And I told him this dream, hey, I, I want to do this. It's been a long time cooking. I don't even know exactly what to do, but I know that I can't do it myself. And I know that I need people around me because I have a vision and I have a voice, but there's a whole bunch of things that I, I want to dream up, but I can't do half this stuff. And Kyle is an incredible designer and creator himself and uh, a poet. And so um, I said, would you, would you go with me? on this party, so to speak. Would you join me in the party? And he said he would. And so that was the beginning of this dream. And I'll just be honest with you guys, whole steps, all the steps from then on have been this tug of war with me because it was me and then it was bigger than me. How many of you have a dream and you think, yeah, it's got to look like this and it's got to be like this. But if I let other people in on that conversation, they, they might make it something that I didn't originally dream up. It might look a little bit different, right? I birthed that baby and I want it to look like me, but after everybody has influence on it, it might not look like me. And so I, and I, I told this to, to Mike the other day, I said, man, that's been a huge ego check for me the whole way. <laughs> I love Mike because he'll shoot you straight. He goes, yeah, I sense that. I was like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. He goes, yeah, I could sense that kind of the whole way. You were kind of like trying to hold on really tight to it and letting go was a challenge. And yes, it was. I just said that. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> but it's true. And I know he felt that tension. But I think that's what a good dream is. It's got to be bigger than me. It's got to be bigger than I can't do it on my own. And so, you know, I invited people to write and I gave them a topic, but I didn't get to control it after that. You know, I'm not paying them, so I'm not going to say, oh, no, <laughs> I'm going to send it back. Here's all the slashing edits we're making. Um, and then asked Jillian, who's incredibly creative, hey, would you want to do something? She created the mind map for it, which I'm really excited for you to, to sit down with. Uh, we connected with Haley from Batch Theory uh, over on the East Coast and said, hey, would you take this T.S. Eliot quote and design a background for it? And every step of the way, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm giving away my dream. I'm giving away this thing that I thought, I just got to control it and I got to hold on really tight to it. And there's this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then now, you know, we're in conversations and Mike's in the process of, you know, making a, making this a legitimate nonprofit organization. And so every step of the way, it's like, no, 
you, I had to invite people in on the dream. I can't do it. It's bigger than me. And yet for me, it was ego humiliation. You got to let go. You got to let go. It may not look or feel or whatever exactly how you want it. And then Jacob, Jacob goes and he finds, we're trying to figure out what do we want it to look like? What's, you know, what's the sizing? Jacob finds this magazine. I'm like, that's the one. Got to do it like that. Have a couple thoughts to give to Kyle. Like to pull this quote out. Like this, I have like this quote here, this creativity here. Here's the order. But then it's hands off. And it's trust. And it's losing control. And it's me, but it's bigger than me. So I can't sit here and be like, oh, I did this. I can't. Not with any integrity. Um, it's all a team effort. And, and, and so that's what I think it's, it's you, it's bigger than you. Um, and then it's them, it's them. I'm really happy about, uh, I'm incredibly happy about how everything's turning out. I'm really happy about our mission statement because it says this cultivating reflective, wholehearted living through the artistic spoken and written word. And one of the things that I thought early on was this has to be bigger than me in two senses. It has to be bigger than me that I can't do it on myself and I invite a team to help and serve, but it can exist for me. It has to serve in some way. And I've said this on the podcast many times. I don't care. The more heart I have in this, I do feel like the less ego I have in it. I don't care if we have... 50 listeners or five listeners, a hundred listeners or a thousand, if it's not causing any type of self-reflection for people, then we're not succeeding. We're not serving. It's about helping people, sharing our own journey, doing some teaching, but cultivating some type of wholeheartedness. That's the invitation. And we're all in different spots and I get that, but it has to serve. It has to look outward and say, I got to give this thing away. Whatever it is, we've got to get it out there for the betterment of other people, or it's going to all be self-contained. And so I have this phrase. I think you'll like this phrase and and I'm almost done. Um, When I think sometimes people try to put step three before steps one and two, and you feel it like, oh, I just exist to serve or do something for others, or I just exist to um, better people around me or whatever else. Um, I think often we can do that in religious circles too. This is who you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. You got to serve. That's the exemplary model. And when we do, when we talk about them and out there and what we're going to do that way before we do, but who am I? And what's my dream? And what's my unique contribution to this thing? And I don't want to read off someone else's script. How do I read off my own? And then before, then we say, okay, but now I got to go through this process of ego humiliation and letting go and birthing this thing and saying, okay, yeah, shape it, form it. And this tug of war, when we do steps three before, step three before one and two, the work is for others, but it's about you. When we do steps one and then we do steps two and then we do step, we get to step three, we start to realize this, the work is for you, but it's about others. And I think that's all the difference in the world. You delight in the work because it's whatever was placed in you and given you as a created being. And you get to delight in that because, oh my God, it's me. And that's the gift. But then you start to think, but it's about others. So how do I live from that place? Friends, I'm not there. There's no sense of arrival. I'm just getting started. But what if the first words over us 
could actually awaken something in us, awaken a self in us that may be long forgotten, that we could redream about who we can be and what we can offer to people around us. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. And if you want to ask any questions or if you want to say anything, I would love to have conversations in a room like this. Maybe you feel comfortable. Maybe you, maybe you don't. Anything about the process? And I got some love to share for the magazine, but anything about the process or anything? Yes. Um, <laughs> my wife says, uh, her, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, her, she, okay. So if you're familiar with Enneagram, I'm a head type. She's a heart type. She naturally knows those waters. I don't, I have to do a lot of work to figure that out. So she has been an incredible gift to say, yeah, but what's going on on the inside? Here's what I've. <laughs> yeah, but did she invite you? She invited you, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whose friends are you here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the question was, was there a specific event um, that kind of pointed me to that introspection? I would also say, in college, I became friends with Courtney, so she was crucial in that. We also had another friend who used to just call me out relentlessly um, her name was Christy Robb and she would just call me out relentlessly. Like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why are you doing this? What are you like? What are you about? And I could never answer her question. And I thought to myself, gosh, if I'm going to make her shut up at all, I've got to figure out like some type of answers to her questions. That wasn't true. I actually started to think she has a lot of good points. I don't know why I do what I do. I don't know why I say what I say. I see my behaviors, but I can't connect the dots of the drivers. And so that was also significant. I entered into, you know, getting personal counseling for myself probably a little over 12, 13 years ago. Um, that's been significant as, as well. So, yeah, thanks for asking. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll try as I say, yeah. What? <laughs> Repeat the question. Uh, the question was, can you expand a little bit on first words spoken over you? So I firmly believe back to Genesis one and two, if you read the sequence that there, that the Bible fits together as a cohesive whole, as opposed to I'd like to pick a few verses out and have it make sense. And I believe that Genesis 1 through 3, at the very least, function as something archetypal for us that is true of humanity consistently throughout history. And I wonder if we, when we talk about sin, I wonder if we actually... We quote a lot of reformers, 15th, 16th century, when we talk about original sin, we talk about uh, total depravity is a theological term for it. Man, man is totally depraved or humankind is totally depraved. I wonder if it's actually not a truncated view of what they meant and mean by sin. And I wonder if what gets presented today in most religious circles is actually more of a um, caricature of what they represented when they're talking about that. Um, because if you read 
Calvin, you read some of his institutes, you go back and you read Augustine, early church father, and they are heavy on the sin conversation, but you have to read them in context because what they talk about when they talk about total depravity is not that mankind is only up to evil all the time. It's that he is and she is wholly fallen, that my mind is fallen, that my heart's fallen, that my body's fallen, that we live in a world east of Eden. But I would say this, that that doesn't mean that everybody just sits around stewing on how to do evil. That's not what that means. What it means is that I've come into a world and I can't fix myself and I need something bigger to help me with that. That's what it means. I can't do anything good towards, um, to, to put it uh, in theological terms, towards my own salvation. Like I can't do that. And I think if we're all honest at a gut level existentially, we get that. No, I'm on, I'm on worst enemy. I'm sabotaging my, my own efforts right and left. The good I do want to do, I don't always do it. The bad I don't want to do, I do it. Um, but the first words, the prologomena, the prologue to this whole thing is good, 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 good. And so that's where I would argue it comes on the heels, original sin, the conversation of brokenness comes on the heels of blessing, comes on the heels of, of goodness, comes on the heels of, oh, let me, let me say this. Oh my gosh. I just remembered this quote. Uh, there was a, um, the author, uh, Dr. Michael Williams wrote, Far as the Curse is Found, and he said this. It was like water to my soul when I remembered it just a few minutes ago. God is not threatened by creating significant human beings. God doesn't have any ego in the game. He's happy to say, here's the platform of the world. I'm going to put you on it. I'm happy to put you on that stage because you being fully alive actually reflects something better about me than you living in small and insignificant ways. You keeping quiet and burying the gift of you that you have actually doesn't reflect the beauty and goodness of the divine. When we bring that forward, it, it mirrors him a bit more. So I don't know if that answers your question. That may have been a long way around it. But what I would say is, instead of starting with distrust of what is going on deep within me, what if we flipped the script and said, what if, I'm, what if I need to pay attention to that? What if, first and foremost, it's good? She says she likes it. <laughs> Thanks, Jeanette. Mike. I was I was actually not going to call on you. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to call on you because I'm not going to answer any of your questions, sir. <laughs> so that journey. Yeah. You not you them. Uh, so not everyone's creative. Not everyone can write. Sure. Yeah. Um, well. Um, so not everyone is going to, this vehicle isn't going to fit everyone or is the vehicle like this or mm -hmm. corresponds directly to that. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Right? right. So I, I'm assuming you recommend that journey to all of us. Yeah. And so how might we think about that journey if we're not, uh, yeah. if this effort is something different than what our church would do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so let's hook up another mic, and let's, I would just put that back on you and say, tell me what you think. Like, uh, you start. Um, I'm glad you said that, because I was thinking that um, the medium isn't the same for everybody. Um, the 
vehicle, as you put it, and I think that's a great word. The vehicle isn't the same, but under the hood, we do all have the same, the same thing going on. And under the hood, that's where we all have to take a look. And I don't know, I honestly don't know what that means for you. I think sometimes you have to figure out what the medium and, you know, the interior workings are. And sometimes you don't, you won't know, like, how am I supposed to live this out um, until you do a lot of that interior work? And so I would say both of those are questions that, that you have to do work on is, well, okay, no, I'm not. I'm not an artist. I'm really, I can't draw or paint, but I am creative in other ways. But some people are, you know, you're not good with words, but you can lead or you're great at problem solving or you are killing it as a mom or a dad or a spouse. And there's your medium where everybody has jobs. Everybody has family. Everybody has mediums presented to them. And so I think sometimes we have to figure out what that is. Um, I'm still waiting on, on, on your book, still waiting on you to start that. (laughs) Um, but I, I don't exactly know what that looks like for everyone. For some people, it's not professional counseling. Uh, for some people it's, um, I would argue this though. If there's no self-reflection going on to any degree, it, you're toast, you're toast to any degree, whatever that is, asking a, a, a friend or a coworker or even a boss or a spouse, hey, tell me about me. <laughs> tell me about me. You see my blind spots. I don't. Like, tell me how you experience me. Help me understand what I'm up to for some people's journaling, all that. So that probably is a clunky answer uh, to your question. Um, yeah. Yeah. Courtney? Oh, I was just going to say, everyone has a superpower and it's frustrating maybe to figure it out Yeah, you have a superpower and part of your journey is you figuring out what that is. Courtney Ann Myers, Enneagram type four, everyone has a superpower (laughs) and it's true. And I I love how you use that language and you, and, and I do think that's the, endless imitation. Let me, let me quote Roar real quick. He said this, I believe if we don't learn to send people on inner journeys, or as he calls it, love journeys, and he's using it in a religious context, the whole religious project will fall apart because we won't have a living witness. If you, if you want to use it in a non-religious context, I would say, yeah, if we don't go on our own inner journey or love journey, we're going to consistently feel like we're not in step with our own story. And that is going to be the suffering that is needless suffering as some people say. Angela. Yes. <laughs> Where are my freaking type fours in the room? I got, I got two. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, deeply, deeply emotional, very intuitive. It's, it's real. It's real, Seth. And so, yeah, Richard's here. And um, thanks, for, thanks for just throwing him out there. <laughs> My husband, type four. He also says everybody has a superpower. I wonder if it's a four thing. It doesn't matter. It's genius. Uh, shout out to Richard. If you haven't listened yet, he is the professional rapper on episode number five, I believe. And so, yes, thank you for being here. It's, it's our pleasure. Okay, maybe one last thought, you know, we'll wind this part down. 
Okay. Um, I want to give some shout outs for the mag and then, you know, you're welcome to hang, have another drink, grab some magazines. Um, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who did just incredible work on it. Some people aren't here. The contributors aren't here. Nathan Mattia, who is a, a English teacher uh, down in the city, he contributed an article. Emily Moore, uh, who is with Restoration Counseling, wrote something on the Enneagram. Um, I want to say thank you to Jacob for doing some research and finding out, you know, you know, what's might be a good feel for the mag Jillian contributed the mind map. So special thanks to her. Um, Haley from batch theory, obviously she's not going to be here. She's out, um, uh, outside of DC, but she also contributed some design. So thanks to her. And then, um, Kyle, uh, I just want I got to give Kyle incredible credit because uh, he did all the design. He did the formatting. Um, he did a lot of extra editing. <laughs> he also contributed um, a poem. And so you'll want to check that out as well. And so I want to give a shout out to him. So can we just have a hand for everyone who's contributed to this? And Um, all right, so uh, that that wraps this part up. We're just going to hang. We'll have the mags over there. We have a dream box, and that was less for tips for Mike for us uh, his being our Somali. <laughs> um, and it was it's more about this. Like, could you dream with us um, what we could do next year? Because it cost money to print these a little over three dollars and we printed 200. And so could you dream with us what we could do next year? Is it more magazines as a once a quarter? Um, could we bring in um, some authors and have more gatherings like this? Um, probably need a larger venue already, but could we do something like that? How can we continue to fulfill the mission statement of the subversive? And do you want to join with us? Do you want to join the party? Um, you don't have to at all. You're free. You're completely free people. Um, it's a free country. Uh, but if you want to, we would love to, for you to dream with us. What could we do? So all that, uh, if you want to, goes in the dream box, anything you want to donate. Um, that being said, I would just ask, because there's only 200, um, you're welcome to take magazines. If you don't donate, please uh, do that. But I would just ask you to be real intentional. You know, um, please don't walk out with a handful of 10 and, you know, sit on seven at the house. Uh, but if you have people in your life, you think, oh, you know what? I want to give it I want to give it to this person. I'd like to share this with this person, this family member. Then by all means, please take it or at your workplace. You know, if there's a, a list of, of uh, if there's a place for reading materials, please feel free, spread it out, get the word out. Absolutely. I would just ask that you be thoughtful and intentional um, as you take them. So they're going to be over up there on the table and the dream box will be there. Please hang out, have, have some more drinks, relax, enjoy yourselves. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for listening to The Subversive. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. 